Welcome to Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder presents The Resolution. We begin our story on New Year's Eve at a party and find John Spencer in his 30s wearing a colorful party hat and drinking a beer standing in a crowded living room. His best friend, Paul Baxter, also in his 30s, stands next to him. John finishes his beer, then pulls another one out of his pocket and proceeds to drink it. Jesus, John. Finishing the beer, he tosses the can on the floor. Oh, man. Just trying to get my nerve up. To do what? Digging through his pocket, John pulls out a small velvet box. I'm going to pop the big question. Opening the box, he reveals a diamond ring. What do you think? Honestly, I think you might be moving a little too fast. Too fast? It's been over a year, and I couldn't be happier. I'm telling you, buddy, she's the one I want to spend the rest of my life with. Uh, Are you sure she feels the same way? John closes the box and sticks it back in his pocket. What do you mean? Uh, Listen, I think we should sit first and... Hold that thought. Rebecca, in her 30s, wearing a tight red dress that reveals her curves, walks across the room and into the kitchen. Hmm. Tell me that doesn't take your breath away. That's what I'll be waking up to every day. No time like the present. Wish me luck. John walks into the kitchen. Pushing through a crowd of people huddled around a keg, John finds Rebecca standing at the sink and walks up behind her, kneeling down as Paul walks in. Rebecca? Rebecca turns, finding John with the diamond ring in his hand as the kitchen falls silent with everybody watching. What are you doing? The next step. Rebecca makes eye contact with Paul, then looks back down at John. (laughs) Maybe we should talk about this. There's no need for that. I know exactly what I want. I want you to be my wife. Rebecca stands in silence. Well, what do you think? No. Oh, burn! John looks back at a guy who is filling his cup at the keg and laughing. Oh my god, that is fucking funny. You've got to feel like a total douchebag right now. I mean, like, holy shit, how embarrassing. The guy takes a drink from his cup, then continues laughing as he walks out of the kitchen. (laughs) Hey man, have fun with that goat rodeo. With his eyes filling with tears, John looks at Rebecca. No? I'm sorry, John. I don't love you. I wish you wouldn't have done this. Bumbling to put the ring back in his pocket, John slowly stands up. I don't understand. I thought everything was great between us. It was great, but things kind of changed. Changed? I met somebody else. Who? Paul steps up behind John. We really wanted to tell you, but didn't know how. John looks back at Paul. Huh. Well, how about, hey buddy, I'm banging your girlfriend behind your back. John clears tears away with his sleeve as he turns back to Rebecca. 
How long has this been going on? Several months. Listen. Paul puts his hand on John's shoulder, but John knocks it away. Don't fucking touch me. John, you have to understand me. I didn't want to hurt you. (laughs) Get the fuck out of town, really? That's a fucking laugh. What? What the hell kind of outcome did you expect? I don't really know, but I do know I'm sorry. Unfucking believable. We've been friends since we could walk, and you do this to me. You can go fuck yourself. John pushes through the crowd. John! Let him go. We find John one year later walking up to the checkout at a grocery store and places a bag of salt on the conveyor belt. He looks up and smiles at Katie, who is in her early 20s. Katie grabs the bag of salt and slides it across the scanner. You planning on drinking a lot of tequila shots? I'm sorry, what? I'm just messing with you. It's just that 90% of the people I've rung up today are buying some kind of alcohol for tonight. A guy walks up to the checkout with several 24 packs of beer. Case in point. How have you been? Uh, Okay, I, I guess. So, any big plans for tonight? I was just gonna hang out at home and maybe watch a bit of Twilight Zone marathon. I know, lame, but so be it. What about you? As of right now, absolutely nothing. I was kind of hoping somebody would ask me out. No one's asked you out? Nope. Go ahead. (laughs) Excuse me? Katie points at the debit card keypad. Go ahead and enter your card number. Ah, of course. (laughs) He enters his information, and as he puts his wallet away, some of the contents fall out on the other side of the counter. Darn it. No worries. I got it. Katie bends down, gathers the things that fell out, and hands them back. I'm really sorry about that. It's just been one of those days. Like I said, no worries. As she hands the receipt to John, Katie purposely runs her fingers against his. I hope to see you soon. Happy New Year. John grabs the bag of salt. (laughs) Thanks. Happy New Year. John gets out of his car in his garage, then grabs the salt out of the car and sets it next to the door to the house, then steps up to the back of the car and runs his fingers across the top of the trunk. Just a nice... Quiet evening at home. John opens the trunk, revealing a terrified Rebecca who is bound and gagged. Her eyes dart back and forth. (laughs) I hope your accommodations were to your liking. Rebecca tries to scream, but the gag prevents it. What's with all the screaming, babe? You know I'd never hurt you. Well... Well, at least not before last New Year's. Rebecca thrashes around, trying to break free, causing John to lean down, grabbing her around the throat. Oh, come on, baby. I'm starting to get the impression that you didn't miss me. Rebecca screams a muffled fuck profanity. Fucking bastard! Oh, that 
really hurts my feelings. John grabs hold of her hair and jerks her out of the trunk, dropping her on the cement floor, causing her head to smack against the floor, knocking her out. Oh my god, I am so sorry. I really hope that didn't hurt too bad. John grabs a hold of the rope around her feet and drags her up the stairs into the house. The door to the basement opens as John steps in. Flipping the light on and walks down the stairs. Rebecca, unconscious, is tied to a chair that sits in the middle of the basement. Her arms and legs have been duct taped to the chair. A table filled with various types of rusty tools sits alongside her. John walks up and snaps his fingers in her face, but she doesn't wake up. Hey, time to wake up, sleeping beauty. John pulls out some smelling salts that he sticks under her nose, which instantly makes her head snap back. Well, look who decided to join the party. Did you have yourself a nice little nap? I just want to make sure that you are well rested before this evening's events. Rebecca looks around the room, her eyes widening in horror as John pulls another chair over and sits in front of her. I am willing to bet that when you woke up this morning, you had no idea how you'd be spending your New Year's Eve. I know I don't have the balloons or the fancy little horns, but I do have something better. John grabs a bone saw off the table and holds it in front of Rebecca. What I have is 364 days of rage that I plan on unloading on you. Frantically, Rebecca tries to break free from the chair, but can't as John lays the saw back on the table. Ooh, you go, girl. But I gotta be honest with you. You can try all you want to to bust free, but you would really be wasting your time. John grabs a pair of pliers and studies them, then looks at Rebecca's fingers. Hmm. I really hope that you didn't spend too much time on that fancy manicure, because I am so about to fuck that up. Rebecca shakes her head in a panic. I'm sure you would really like me to take that gag off, so you could blow smoke up my ass and tell me all kinds of lies about how you really still love me and how you've made a huge mistake. John snaps the pliers in her face. But the only thing I want to hear coming out of your mouth is muffled, blood-curdling screams. John grabs hold of her wrist and pinches the pliers down on one of her purple fingernails. I really feel like we're in the point in our relationship where we can be totally honest with one another now. I've never no. really thought purple was no. a very good color no. for you. Oh my John no. yanks back on the pliers, tearing the fingernail off, causing Rebecca to scream. Ooh, yikes. We haven't even gotten started with the good stuff yet. John grabs hold of another finger. This little piggy went to market. 
John rips another fingernail off and moves the pliers to the next one. This little piggy stayed home. Looking in her eyes, John clamps on to the next fingernail. Oh, come on, don't be shy. If you know the nursery rhyme, feel free to jump in at any time. It's a real barn burner. <laughs> this little piggy had roast beef. Rebecca, in pain, tries to move her hand, but is unable to. John puts the pliers on the second-to-last finger and, with no hesitation, pulls the nail off. This little piggy had none. Rebecca gags as John leans back, watching as she chokes on her own vomit. Not a fucking chance, baby. <laughs> I am not letting you off that easy. Grabbing the gag, John pulls it off and uses the handle end of the pliers to clean her mouth out. Rebecca takes several deep breaths before John sticks the gag back on. And with a sadistic smile, John grabs her last fingernail with the pliers. And this little piggy went wee-wee-wee all the way home. <laughs> John tears it off as tears roll down Rebecca's face. <laughs> Tossing the pliers on the table, John stands up. Please? Please what? Please stop hurting you? Oh, baby, I'm afraid this is just the tip of the iceberg. Surveying the table, John picks up a hacksaw. I think it's only fair that you should suffer considerably for what you did to me. John puts the hacksaw back on the table. Ooh, not yet. We'll save that one for later. Picking up a chisel and hammer, John sits back down. What do you say we take a look at those totes of yours? John slides off the chair and kneels down in front of her. Ooh, <laughs> does this look familiar? <laughs> don't worry. I don't have a ring this time. Unstrapping her shoes, John slides them off. I'll bet that marriage proposal is starting to look pretty damn good right about now. You know, it took me all year to come up with ways to make you feel pain. I spent hours on the internet looking things up. You'd be amazed at how many sick people there are out there. I'm talking... Twisted motherfuckers. Taking her sock off, John places the edge of the chisel against her big toe. And with all those choices, I just got overwhelmed and decided to go old school. John slams the hammer down on the head of the chisel, and the dull blade slices through her big toe, which springs across the floor, pushed by the steady stream of blood now oozing from her foot. Oh, jumping Jesus. I didn't expect that at all. That sucker just came off a lot easier than I thought it would. Reaching under the table, John pulls out a coffee can and scoops up the toe and drops it in. I can tell you want one, but unfortunately, I don't have a nursery rhyme for this activity. John repeats the process on the rest of her toes, causing a pool of blood to surround the chair. Rebecca fades in and out of consciousness as John places the bloody chisel on the table. 
Stay with me now. Walking over to a shelf, John grabs a plastic litter box and sets it on the ground next to Rebecca. That's a lot of blood, but don't worry. I have just the thing to soak it up. John pulls out the bag of salt from under the table and dumps it in the litter box. I'm afraid this might sting a bit. Picking up her feet, John slides the litter box under her, then drops her feet into it. Rebecca convulses violently as she endures the immense pain. Grabbing the coffee can, John shakes the toes around. Hmm. I wonder how much I could get for this thing on eBay. John looks down at the dark red cat litter. Hey, that brand certainly soaks things up. John pulls the hacksaw off the table. Which one should I do first? Left or right ear? Dazed, Rebecca doesn't acknowledge him. Are you really going to give me the silent treatment? Whatever, you go ahead and do what you think is best. John grabs her head and sets the blade on the top of one ear. Here we go. Dragging it back and forth, the blade sinks into her flesh, separating her ear from her head, when all of a sudden, the doorbell rings. You kidding me right now? Who the hell could that be? Rebecca's ear dangles by a thin piece of skin. The doorbell rings again as John tosses the hacksaw on the table. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> John hurries up the stairs as Rebecca struggles to stay awake. She scans the room, then looks down at the chair, noticing one of the legs is cracked and begins rocking back and forth. Walking up to the front door, John cautiously looks out the peephole, then ducks down. Shit. Rubbing his face, John stands up and opens the door, revealing Katie, smiling and wearing a pink backpack, standing holding a bottle of wine. Happy New Year. What are you doing here? I mean, how did you know where I live? She digs in her pocket. Remember when you dropped your wallet behind the counter? Katie pulls John's license out. I thought I got it all, but this must have slipped behind the box where we keep the extra bags. I didn't find it until the end of my shift. Katie hands it over to John. Thanks, but I could have picked it up from the store. You didn't have to bring it all the way over here. It's not like I had anything better to do. To be honest, I sort of took it as a sign. A sign? I know this sounds crazy, but you can't stand here and tell me after all the times you've come into the store you haven't felt the energy between us. Energy? Energy, tension, whatever it is, it's there. We could go on flirting for years to come, but I decided to take a chance and show you all my cards right now. Sighing, Katie steps back. <sighs> Judging by your lack of enthusiasm, I'm thinking this might have been a bad thing. Uh... No, not at all. It's just <laughs> it's just that this is kind of a bad time. Katie, stepping side to side, looks into the house. I'm sorry. This has to be the stupidest thing I've ever done. You probably have someone over. Katie lightly hits her forehead with the palm of her hand. 
What was I thinking? I can't believe I did this. Wow, talk about looking like an idiot. No, really, I'm, I'm flattered. If it were just any other time. I understand. Maybe I could get a rain check? Wouldn't be the first one I've given. Listen, I promise we'll talk soon. We'll see. Katie pulls the cell phone out and walks away as John turns to close the door. Damn. Katie spins back to John. Uh, John? John reopens the door. Yeah? Could I impose on you to call a cab? Katie holds her phone up. I forgot to charge my phone. Well, I guess you can come in and use my phone. Really? You're a lifesaver. Walking into the house, Katie stops and looks over at two drunk people laughing and stumbling out of John's neighbor's house. I bet they won't be happy in the morning. Katie turns to John. You're not some kind of psycho, are you? What? In this day and age, you never know. So, you're not... Katie does a stabbing motion with her hand. Uh, of course not. I'm just messing with you. Katie steps into the house as John closes the door. John and Katie walk into the living room. Phone is over by the lamp. This should only take a minute. Then I'll get out of your hair. No problem. I just want to make sure you get home safely. That's sweet. Katie sets the bottle of wine down next to the phone, then dials as she looks over at John. Are you okay? I'm fine. Why do you ask? Katie points at his arm that has blood on it. You're bleeding. Glancing down, John finds blood on his arm, which he quickly covers with his hand. Oh, it, it's nothing. Just a scratch. I was down in the basement working on some... Hello? For them. Katie puts her hand up. Yes, I need to get a cab, please. Katie lowers the phone. What's your address? John hands her his license. Be right back. I'm just going to go take care of my arm. Okay. John walks out of the room, then comes back with a Band-Aid on, finding Katie sitting on the couch with the bottle of wine in her hands. Any luck with the cab? They said it shouldn't be long. You really have a nice home, John. What does something like this go for? Um, to be honest, I don't know. I've been fixing it up for years. Well, it's really cozy. Katie holds up the bottle of wine. How about one glass of wine before the cab gets here? I don't know. Would you rather I wait outside so you can go back to those pipes? <sighs> you know what? A glass of wine sounds good. These... Pipes aren't going anywhere. It's New Year's. Everyone should live it up just a little. I completely agree. Glasses? Of course. John disappears into the kitchen as Katie scans the series of photos that line the fireplace mantel. I remember a couple weeks back when you came into the store. You mentioned how your entire family lives in another state. Hey, <laughs> good memory. They live in Bullhead City. Where the hell is that? <laughs> Arizona. John grabs two wine glasses from a rack, then pulls a cabinet drawer open. So does it get as hot as they say? Hotter. Pulling a hammer out, John holds it up, and with the glasses in one hand, John hides the hammer behind his back. 
John walks out of the kitchen and finds Katie in front of the fireplace as he sets the glasses on the table and discreetly stuffs the hammer behind the cushion of the couch just as Katie turns and looks at him. Not to pry or anything, but why did you leave? I was getting sick of the heat. I can't blame you for that. I've never really understood why people would choose to live in a place where they have to run from one air-conditioned place to another. I know they want to live where it's warm and all, but what's the point if you stay inside all the time? You could do that anywhere. John sits down in front of the cushion that has the hammer behind it as Katie grabs the bottle of wine and opens it. I'm not much of a wine connoisseur, but the lady that stocks this stuff at my store said this was good. Grabbing one of the glasses, Katie fills it up. I guess we'll find out. A loud crash from the basement startles Katie, almost causing her to drop the bottle. What was that? Glancing back at the door, John grabs the handle of the hammer. It's, uh, just my dog. You have a dog? What kind? Lab. Why'd you put it in the basement? With all the fireworks going off tonight, I thought it would be best. I see. Rebecca, still bound and gagged, lays on the ground attached to the busted-up chair, and she slowly begins to intercross the floor toward the table. Don't you think you should go check on him? Um, I'm sure he's fine. What about that glass of wine? Katie pours the other glass and hands it to John, who grips the hammer tighter as he downs the glass of wine. Rebecca, leaving a trail of blood, reaches the table and looks up, noticing a knife hanging slightly over the edge. Rebecca uses her head to hit the leg of the table, but the knife doesn't move. Frustrated, she hits it harder, causing the knife to slide back and forth. When seen from the pain, Rebecca hits the table again, and the knife falls off and sticks right in her side, causing her to scream out. But she continues hitting the table, causing more tools to fall off and clatter on the floor. It sounds like your dog's tearing apart the basement. Uh, you know what? I hate to do this because I really do like you, Katie, but uh, maybe another night would be better. I hope you understand. No, I totally understand. Katie gets up and grabs her backpack off the floor. Rebecca drags her face across the ground, tearing her skin off, but finally pulls the gag free. Somebody, somebody please help me. Please, somebody help me, please. Somebody help me. Katie stares at the basement door in shock as Rebecca's screams echo through the house. John jerks the hammer out, but suddenly becomes dizzy and collapses to the floor. John, are you okay? Rebecca's screams for help continue as Katie kneels down next to John, noticing the hammer in his hand. Struggling, John tries to keep his eyes open. What's with the hammer? John tries to say something, but he passes out. Grabbing the hammer out of John's hand, Katie stands up, then walks over to the basement door and opens it up. 
Katie, with a hammer raised up, walks down the stairs, finding Rebecca. Holy shit. Rebecca, covered in blood, looks up at Katie. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, please, please. You, you have to help me. He's, he's going to fucking kill me. Please. Katie hurries to Rebecca and kneels down, studying the ropes securing Rebecca. Oh, my God. Where, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? He's upstairs. We, we, need to, we need to call the fucking cops. He's gone crazy. Come on, untie me. Please, quick, please untie me. I can usually read a person, but I was way off on this one. What are you waiting for? Get me out of this chair. Please. What the fuck are you waiting for? Get me the fuck out of this chair. Katie runs her fingers along the rope. Obviously, these ropes are holding, but I would have gone with the alpine butterfly knot myself. What the fuck are you talking about? That maniac is trying to dismember me. Katie nonchalantly grabs the gag and puts it back over Rebecca's mouth. You know what? His only mistake was not cutting your fucking tongue out first. John, unconscious, has been stripped of all his clothes and is tied to a chair sitting in the middle of the room. The gag he used for Rebecca is now in his mouth. Katie, wearing a bloody apron and whistling, walks into the room. Opening his eyes, John watches Katie unzip her backpack. Just to give you a heads up, you might have a bad headache. What are you doing? You really surprised me tonight, John. And believe me, that's one hard thing to do. John Baby. looks down at his arms and legs Baby. that are tied to the chair. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out yet, the wine wasn't your average everyday variety. I think it's a much nicer way to incapacitate someone instead of, say, hitting them over the head with a hammer. Katie casually steps around the table, stopping in front of him. If you're curious, I went ahead and took care of that annoying bitch you had down here. I can see why you had her gagged. Smiling, Katie reaches into her backpack and pulls out a heavy-duty scalpel. I must commend you on your assortment of debauchery. Looking it over actually made my heart skip a beat. Katie holds the blade up so John can see it. Not to sound corny or anything, but the scalpel and I have been through a lot in the past year. John crashes around in the chair, screaming for help. No one's going to hear you, John. Your neighbors are really enjoying the party. But if you feel the need to scream, no one's stopping you. Katie bends down and grabs a black plastic bag and pulls out Rebecca's head and places it on John's lap. John freaks out, sending Rebecca's head rolling across the floor. Not exactly the reaction I was expecting. Hours ago, you were cutting your toes off, for Christ's sake. I thought I was doing you a favor. Katie picks Rebecca's head up as John watches her place it on the table. 
I suppose you're probably wondering what a nice girl like me is doing going around killing people. Well, would you believe a year ago I dropped out of medical school? I know it sounds crazy, but I actually got as far as gross anatomy. It was right then, when we were dissecting human bodies, that I suddenly realized there was something missing. It's almost as though someone were inside my head, making everything very clear. I can tell you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. It's really quite simple, John. Cadavers don't react to anything you do. They can't tell you what they're feeling. The only fucking thing they do is lay there while you cut them up. Katie waves the scalpel in front of John's eyes. But doing my own independent research with live specimens, however, I am able to discover pain receptors in the human body that no one else even knows exist. It's like I've been guided every step of the way. Using the end of the scalpel, Katie taps Rebecca's head. Trust me. Before I took her head off, you wouldn't believe the kind of things I found out. One day, I'll be able to publish my findings, but right now, I'm sure you understand the need for dissection. Taking the tip of the scalpel, Katie presses it against John's chest, causing him to squirm. Come on, if you keep moving around like that, this is going to get really messy. You'll be glad to know that tonight I have something very special planned. You're going to be my very first open-heart surgery. It's my theory that pain originates from right in there. Of course, I'll have to perform a battery of tests to be sure, so you might want to prepare yourself. I think we're going to be in for a very long night. Katie methodically slices into his chest as he screams in unbelievable agony. We need find ourselves in a cheap hotel room in Spurlock, in his 40s, wearing a black pair of sports underwear and white t-shirt, kneeling on a queen-size bed next to Misty, who is in her 20s, a naked brunette laying on her stomach, allowing Spurlock to stare at her ass. Whatever you do, don't move a fucking muscle. Spurlock grabs a pair of jeans, pulling out a small vial of cocaine that he holds up and studies. What are you doing? Spurlock slaps her on the back of the head. I thought I told you not to move. That includes your talk hole. Spurlock untwists the cap of the vial and carefully lays out a line of cocaine across Misty's ass, then tosses the empty vial on the bed before leaning down close to the line of cocaine, smiling. It's a little things in life. Hey. Spurlock, irritated, snaps his fingers. I don't need you ruining this moment by speaking. Spurlock snorts the cocaine off. You'll have to be fucking kidding me. Spurlock slaps Misty's ass. I'll be right back. Spurlock jumps off the bed and grabs his cell phone, answering it. Spurlock. Spurlock rolls his eyes in disgust. Seriously? Right now? Spurlock glances over at the cheap digital clock on the dresser that reads 3.35 a.m. 
You can't get somebody else? Spurlock looks over Misty's naked body. I'm uh, kind of in the middle of something right now. Spurlock lowers the phone, shaking his head, then puts it back to his ear. Fine. Just give me the fucking address. Misty flips onto her back and watches Spurlock as he walks around the room, collecting his things. 292nd PL South. I got it. I'll be there in 20. Spurlock looks over at Misty. On second thought, you might want to make that 40. Spurlock ends the call. You realize there are no refunds, right? No worries, baby. I've got just enough time to satisfy all my needs. Spurlock picks up a faded brown canvas bag off the floor and places it on the table. What the hell is it that you do that you get a call on New Year's morning? Spurlock unzips the bag. I'm a cop. Misty flashes a look of concern. Don't worry. A gathering here is entirely recreational. Spurlock smiles. Spurlock comes walking out of the hotel into the early morning hours and up to his 1970 Impala, opening the trunk and tossing his bag in the back, then slamming it closed. Roger, who is in his 70s, wearing a dirty tuxedo, stumbles around a corner carrying a half-empty bottle of Jack Daniels and stares at the Impala. Jumpin' Jesus Christ. People still drive these goddamn things? Spurlock walks around to the driver's side door. I realize she may not look like much old man, but this runs like a champ and has trunk space like you wouldn't believe. Roger puts his hand on the hood. I banged my first broad in the backseat of one just like this. Roger rubs his crotch. She was... so beautiful. Are we talking about the car or the bitch? Roger ignores Spurlock as he vigorously rubs his crotch. I don't need you spraying your spunk all over my car, old man. So go jerk off over in the corner or something. Spurlock opens the driver's side door. Happy New Year. Spurlock gets in the car and tears out of the parking lot as Roger unzips his pants and leans against the building, pleasuring himself. Spurlock ambles down the stairs into John's basement, finding several uniformed officers standing in the corner, talking. A crime scene photographer steps around, carefully snapping photos of Rebecca and John's butchered bodies. Looks like somebody had one hell of a New Year's Eve party. Officer Petty, in his 30s, wearing a serious expression, walks over to Spurlock. Who called this shit in? The next door neighbor did. Apparently, they thought it would be fun to have a Roman candle war around two this morning. One of the mortars missed its target and went through the upstairs window of our victim. Fucking people's stupidity never seems to surprise me anymore. After pounding on the door and getting no response, the neighbor, frantic, kicked the door open, desperate to make sure the house wasn't on fire, and found this carnage. Spurlock walks over to the table and studies Rebecca's severed head. He takes a pen out of his pocket and pokes at her lips as Petty stands behind him watching. Talk about a pair of dick-sucking lips. Excuse me? 
Spurlock ignores Petty as he sticks the pen back in his pocket, then looks down at Rebecca's body, focusing on her ample breasts. Shit. What is it? Spurlock, shaking his head, looks down at his watch. It's only been a couple of hours and I've already pissed away one of my New Year's resolutions. What the hell was it? Spurlock stares at Rebecca's breasts. I told myself I wouldn't get hard anymore when I was looking at dead female corpses. Petty looks at Spurlock in disbelief. Are you fucking kidding me? That's disgusting! Spurlock looks at Petty with a coy smile. Whatever. You're telling me if you were alone with this fine piece of ass, you wouldn't take a couple stabs at it? You've got some serious fucking problems. Petty walks up the stairs as Spurlock shrugs his shoulders and moves over to John's dissected body and examines it. Officer Snyder, also in his 30s, walks up to Spurlock. So what do you make of this, Detective? I've seen a lot of stuff, but this is some pretty brutal shit. It's surgical. Surgical? What are you talking about? I can tell you right now that the person we're looking for has a background in the medical field. How the hell do you figure that? Spurlock points at the cuts in John's body. Just look at how precise and intricate the cuts are. This person knew right where to cut and how. Spurlock's phone rings and he pulls it from his pocket and answers it. Spurlock? Spurlock looks at Snyder, then walks over to the other side of the basement. What do you want? Is that so? I suppose I could help you with that. Of course, I will be expecting the same fee as last time. When do you think all of this will be happening? Spurlock looks up, noticing Snyder watching and listening to him. Can I help you? Snyder quickly looks away. So you're thinking in the next couple of days or so? I don't see a problem with that at all, Mr. Daniels. Talk to you soon. Spurlock stuffs his phone back in his pocket, then looks at Snyder. What do you say we get this shit over with? The end.